All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Shared Humanity. I'm Jonathan Trowan, and today we have Crystal Holm. Welcome, Crystal. So excited to have you here. Uh, so, Crystal, Thank you, Jonathan, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, Crystal is. Uh, she's an award-winning interior designer, a feng shui master, and she has a really, really beautiful story. Or, well, it's it's a story. Let's put it that way. There, there, there's some drama to it. <laughs> There's some mystery and intrigue. <laughs> no, there, there's a story. So I want to get into the story. Um, but let's let's start off a little gratitude. What are you grateful for today? Oh well, I am actually grateful to be here. I'm visiting my grandmother for the first time in 25 years. Um, I haven't I haven't lived in this area since um, since '98, and um, we came. A few months ago, we were here. And so I'm getting to spend time with family that I haven't seen since 98. So I'm super grateful for that. Wow, that is beautiful. I hope you are getting 25 years worth of hugs in. I am. <laughs> so, so you're an interior designer, you're a feng shui master. What, what change are you looking to make in the world? Um. <laughs> Destroy the patriarchy. <laughs> we got a lot of people on board with that one. Yeah, you know, something little. So, so how how are what how is what you're doing helping to to destroy this patriarchy that, that uh, that's killing our planet and more? Um, well, it my my path. Um, to that is empowering women. Mm. Um, it's empowering women to achieve their goals and live the life of their dreams uh, to change the world. Yeah. So, so give us some background. How did you get here? How did I get here? Um, it's been a long, long road. <laughs> um, I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I have always had a love of interior design and energy, right? Just energy work. And so um, I had wanted to start a business a number of years ago, but then in, in 2016, I was injured on my job and um, I wasn't able to work anymore. I wasn't even able to walk really. Um, I, I sort of started really deteriorating and going downhill as I was battling with the insurance company to try to get some basic medical care right? Because it was a workman's comp injury. And so I had what's, I, I have what's called a, uh, a sports hernia, which isn't a hernia at all. It, it, my understanding is it basically is the tendon is torn off of the bone in my groin. So I, I really couldn't walk. It happened when I was at work. Um, I was working in a very high-end furniture store at the time and flipping some rugs over, which are big, heavy, hand-knotted rugs. They're 100 pounds a piece. I was doing a job I shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> but, um, you know, employers have expectations of what they think you should do, whether you can or cannot do them. And so, um, but I, was, I always grew up with this very strong idea of, you go to work no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my worth was really tied to that, 
right? My worth was tied to my, my, my work ethic. You know, I went to work whether I was dying or not. And so um, even after I hurt myself, it, it didn't feel that bad at first. So I kept going to work for about a month until I literally couldn't walk anymore. And then I finally said, I, I need to see a doctor, right? I finally like put myself on the priority list as opposed to showing up for my boss and showing up for my coworkers. And I finally showed up like for me and I went to the doctor and because it had already been a month, they struggled to, to diagnose me and figure out what was wrong because the pain by then had radiated far, right? It was, it was covering a good portion of, of my whole pelvis, like my hips and everything. And so, um, as I was going to like physical therapy, they couldn't quite figure it out. They'd start me doing something and that would make it worse. And so it, it just became this nightmare of, um, the workman's comp people saying that I was lying and doctors not being able to send me to specialists. And it just became a big battle. And it came down to, in my feeling was, I felt like I was just a number on their bottom line and they didn't want to pay for my treatment because they wanted to just prove that there was nothing wrong with me and that I was just lying about it. And so I was pretty much left on my own. Um, they, they changed a bunch of things to keep getting rid of the doctors that were trying to help me. They changed my MCO and, and they did all sorts of kind of crappy things really. Um, but it, my self-esteem and my self-worth took a major hit, right? I really hit rock bottom as far as that goes. And I found myself sort of facing the rest of my life in a wheelchair. Um, and so I, I was sort of trying to start a business to finance myself. And I also started a yoga practice. You know, I'd wanted a yoga practice for a number of years and I could never really make it stick. Um, I would try for, and I'd make it for a few months and then I'd fall off and, you know, another year would go by and I'd try again. And, and so I, I really got committed to me. I got committed to, to not spending my life in a wheelchair. I got committed to, you know, getting my own self-worth back and my own health back. And so I started this yoga practice just at home because I was essentially on bed rest um, indefinitely <laughs> um, while we fought it out with lawyers and all of that until I could actually get a settlement to buy my own insurance to pay for the surgery that I needed <laughs> to, to, to heal the injury in the first place. So I took what I knew about feng shui and I had just moved into a new apartment. So, so you were already doing feng shui earlier. Yeah, I've been doing feng shui. Well, I was introduced to energy work really when I was about nine. And then when I was in college to, to get my interior design degree, <laughs> in my psychology class, you know, you have to take gen eds in college. And so in my psychology class, because it was an art school, the instructor made us write a paper that had to be related to the field of psychology in some way, but it also had to be related to our field of study. 
And so it added this extra layer of, of what we were limited to, or, you know, sort of the direction they wanted us to take. And strangely enough, I really wanted to do a paper on the psychology of color, but someone else took it <laughs> and we could only, only one person in the class could write on one topic because they wanted us all to have something different. And so I picked feng shui. Um, it was something I'd always had an interest in, but I really didn't know anything about it. And, and I'm kind of, well, I'm a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> but at the time I was not recovering yet. I was still that very type A perfectionist type of person. And so I went to, I lived in Denver. I went to the Denver Public Library, which was two blocks from my college. And I checked out every single book they had on feng shui. It was literally like a foot and a half tall, this stack of books. And I took them home and I read all of them. I studied everything I could find uh, in you know, that quarter <laughs> so that I could write my final paper. And at the end of the quarter, I had a great paper. And I knew nothing about feng shui. I was more <laughs> confused at the end than I was at the beginning. There was so much conflicting information out there that I really was more confused than when I started. Um, and so I, I would, while I would love to say that I continued studying feng shui at the time, I didn't. <laughs> I finished my degree. I went to work as an interior designer and um, it was you know, a few years later that I really delved into feng shui. I, I found a college, um, I went to the um, American Feng Shui Institute and they teach traditional Chinese feng shui. And so as I, as I went off down that path to really understand, I, I got an understanding of it. And I also understood why there was so much confusing information out there and conflicting information out there as I was studying it. And so it really became part of my passion um, and oddly enough, at that time I was living in Hawaii and I was working in very high end residential design. And so the people that I tended to work with were entrepreneurs of big companies, um, billion dollar companies. And, <laughs> and a lot of them were from different Asian countries. So some of them would get their design and come back to like my boss and say, yeah, no, the feng shui is not right. We need to revisit this. And I actually was the only person on the team that knew anything about feng shui. <laughs> so I had, it, it started, like I started incorporating it. And, and so when, when this was way back, this was like the 2008 recession, right? And I lost my job. And so, um, I sort of just started doing it a little bit on the side and trying to figure out how to make it practical. Um, because for so many people, feng shui and interior design is a luxury. It's not, it's not an everyday thing, um, but, but it should be. There's like, it helps. So I really wanted to make it practical and usable and accessible to people. Um, so, and so I was take us a step back just just for a second because you're right, it is it is very confusing and and so you know you'll read something it says you know do these 
10 things in your house and make sure there's not a window behind you. And then you read something else that says, well, don't do little things because if you don't understand it, you're going to do it wrong. And you have to put this color in that corner and this color. In and what is feng shui? <laughs> well, first and foremost, it's a science um, and an art. There is an art to science. Um, it is the art of placement, but it's the scientific study of the relationship between you and your environment. So there are there are going to be areas of every home that are more empowering energetically. And then there's other areas of your home that are naturally draining. Um, and so being able to study how you live in your space so that you are essentially using your home. We all live somewhere, right? So using the home that you live in as, as a launching pad to empower the life that you're trying to live. Um, I, I firmly believe that, you know, first your environment is an extension of you. You are not a reflection of your home. Your home is a reflection of you. So all the things that you think or believe, um, about yourself, about what you can and cannot do, what is and is not possible, all of that shows up in your environment in the way we live, just instinctively. Where we place things, how we, how we live, you know, whether it be where you hang your pictures, how you place your furniture, where you put your cat's litter box. Um, all of those things, we do it on an instinctive in level. And when you stop and take a look at it, you can actually see why things are happening in your life the way they happen. Because your home is sort of a map to your mindset. Mm. If you are having, right, if you're having, say, a lot of people that come to me are struggling with not making the money they want to make. That's a great example, right? Or they're, they're not at the level in their business that they want. They don't have as many clients as they want, or they're not making quite the income that they want. And then when I look at their space and I look at like the money area, um, it's called a GUA, uh, the money GUA of their home or of their, like say of their office, um, there will be clutter there or <laughs> the best example I have actually was my daughter. <laughs> my daughter had moved when she moved back to the mainland from Hawaii she was juggling a whole lot of balls all at once, right? She was trying to sell a home. She was trying to move. She was trying to, you know, relocate her business. She was trying to do all these things at once. And she called me up one day and she said, mom, I need you to feng shui my new house because right now my money is a shit show. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look at it. And we looked at her house and it was her litter box that she had placed in the money corner of her, of her uh, bedroom. And I was like, okay, well, the reason your money is a shit show right now is because you've got a litter box in your money corner and you're literally pooping on it. So, or the cat is. Um, and so we, we shifted the energy of her space. We rearranged how she was living. We rearranged, rearranged, excuse me, where she placed all of the things in the room from her bed to her dresser, her litter box, 
we, we rearranged all those things so that we could amplify her money instead of draining it, you know, or flushing it down the toilet. Um, so, the, and, and things immediately turned around for her. So how, how do we know where, where our, what is it, a gua? The money? It's a gua, yeah, it's called a gua. Um, it's so from- How, how it, do we find out where it is? Well, <laughs> there's we, a map. We need an expert to like, are, are, are there things we can do on our own? There like, are. Or, or do, we need, do we need to call you and say, and fly you out here, um, away from the snow to here, so <laughs> check out our place? Uh, well, there's both. Um, there's some of it that you can do on your own. Um, if you have a basic understanding of how energy flows. Um, feng shui literally translates into wind and water. Hmm. And what that means is energy flows on the wind, but it moves like water through your space. So if you think of your front door as the mouth that feeds the energy of your home, the energy will travel through your home like a river. And if you understand, it's, there's a map. Um, it's actually called the Bagua map. Um, and it means eight guas. <laughs> it's a nine box square. The middle one is, is used for something special. And so, but each one has its own area that it, I don't want to say it controls because that's not the right word, but that it reflects hmm. because it's literally a map of your mindset and how you instinctively interact with your space. So if you're struggling with your money, for example, you're having a scarcity mindset in your struggle, you instinctively will want to place things in that corner that reflect that back to you. It's just naturally how we interact. So if you understand- You don't know where it is, it's just- like a part of you knows just in, and you do it's it? It's just in, yeah, it's just instinctive. And that's what people learned by studying it. The relationship with you and your environment is, oh, when we get into a scarcity struggle, it tends to show up in that corner. And that corner, by the way, is if, you, if you're at the door, <laughs> it's the farthest across the room and on the left. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so if you're, if you're standing with your back to the door, yeah, farthest, farthest corner to the left is your money goa. Um, so take a look at what's going on over there. There may be clutter or maybe it's, maybe there's nothing there. Sometimes there's nothing. And what happens is the energy gets to whipping around like a racetrack. Wow. And so then what you end up seeing in your life is money's coming in and it's going out just as quickly or quicker. So, so it's, it's the bedroom and that's where our HEPA air filter is. Do I need to move uh -huh. it? <laughs> is that a good thing? Am I filtering out good things there or, or do I need to, what you go? No, there? because the HEPA air filter is designed to, to filter out the bad stuff. So is that a good, is that a good thing? Did I instinctively do it right? Or, or do I have to go back there and <laughs> there? Um, well, it's, that's not a bad thing to put there. Um, if that's the only thing in the room, it, yeah, you might find that it's, that there is 
a lot of hot air happening, right? You might get clients that are coming to you and, and talking a good game, but never handing over their money. It just, each person is, each person's story will differ depending on the whole situation. So like when I work with clients, when I teach them, we talk about the whole map, never just the one corner. Um, and so we, we first start by talking about what is there is, is what is there? Is it, is it clutter? Is it not clutter? Is it cluttering up and clogging up the flow or is it a smooth movement? Um, does it flow there and allow your money to sit and rest and, and be with you? Or does it flow fast or is it a shit show? <laughs> right. So it just depends well, the on. There needs to go somewhere though. Right. So what do you go in it one does. of the boxes? If there are nine it boxes does. and I want to know what the boxes are, but so if there are nine boxes, it's got to go somewhere. So how do we choose where to put the shit show? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a shit show. Um, there are things that you then have to remember of, well, Everybody has a toilet, whether it's a litter box or a human toilet, you have to have one somewhere. But there are the things that you do, you know, you keep the toilet lid down, you make sure there's no, um, like no draining, uh, no dripping, you know, like your faucets aren't just, you repair things like that. So if your faucets were dripping, that's like your money slowly dripping away. If, for example, it was in the money, in the money gula. If it's in the health gua, you may notice that your, your health is, you're having struggles with constant, like a constant drain on your energy or a constant drain on your health. Um, if it's in say the creativity center, you know, area, maybe you struggle with brainstorming ideas, right? So you do have to put them somewhere, but the, the point, the key is, to then be sure that you are proactively taking care of them and keeping them in good condition, right? Now, is so does the whole space have the nine boxes or do the individual rooms also have their own boxes? Like, how does that work? Yes. <laughs> so the Bagua map can be used overall. It can be, it's sizable. So you can use it over the whole floor, right? If your house is two stories, you have it on the first story and on the second story, right? So it, it, you can layer it that way, but each room can also have um, its own, you can lay the Bagua over each individual room. You can lay it over the whole city. You can lay it over the whole country. Wow. You can overlay and see kind of how it, how energy flows in your environment. Um, and so like, if you just understanding that basic level is, will help you at least get started with some of it. Um, and then there's many layers below that, that you would, or, or above that, however you want to look at it. Um, there's many other layers to feng shui that then you probably want an expert for, <laughs> but is um, it okay to do little things or without the whole vast knowledge that, that feng shui really is, or do you really want to turn this over to a professional? Well, um, like, well, the yes, little things a, help. Yes, absolutely. They do. 
the thing is so many people look at feng shui like like it's a band-aid you know to to fix the problem and they don't look at the the clutter that's underneath it first um and so i always have like i always have clients start with the decluttering of all the the stuff that is holding them back first so we're starting with kind of a clean slate um, and so how, how I define clutter is anything you don't use, need, or love. It's pretty simple. Um, I believe definition. that anything you, wait, yeah. want, everyone listen to that. Everything you don't <laughs> use, need, or love. Cause some things we need, but we don't love them. That's great. Yeah. Everything you don't use, need, or love is clutter. All right. I, I yeah. will on with a different eye. And your clutter can actually be defined at, at other, at definitely, uh, at different layers. Cause a lot of clutter, what I find mostly clutter is either scarcity, worthiness or obligation. Those are the three that I see mostly um, that people bring as, is that's where they get stuck. Um, either in scarcity clutter, worthiness clutter or obligation clutter. Um, and so if it's not something you use need or love, it probably falls into one of those three categories. Now, what, do you, what do you do about the things? Well, I might need it next month <laughs> or, you know, next year. What do you do with those? Mm -hmm. that's, that's scarcity clutter. <laughs> ah, that is scarcity clutter. And that is that what that is, is a lack of trusting the universe that what you need will be provided for you at the time that you need it. Ah. And so I actually have a five-step framework for decluttering um, because what ends up happening is if people will get this wild hair and say, okay, I'm going to declutter all of the things I'm holding on to just in case, because Crystal said so. And so I'm going to get rid of it, but they don't do the steps. And so then what happens is they did get rid of it. And then a month later, they need it. And then they say, see, look, Crystal, I told you I should have held on to this just in case I needed it. But they didn't do, they didn't dissolve the relationship that they were holding on to with why they were holding on to it in the first place. They didn't disconnect from that scarcity and, and move on and, and release it so that they didn't manifest the need after they've gotten rid of it. It's how we reinforce scarcity. So, so how do we do that? How do we, how do we break that? How do we break the relationship? Um, well, because right now, if you're holding on to it, just in case you need it, or just in case somebody else needs it or whatever, um, it's, you're, you're kind of locked into this scarcity thing, but what you're failing to understand is somebody needs it right now. And you holding on to it is, actually the most selfish thing that you could do. You're keeping it from them. And so as you acknowledge, you know, thank you for serving your purpose with me or for whatever it has been. And I'm going to release you to the person who needs you more than I do now. And you trust that as you release it, it's going to find its way to that person because it does. Um, and so however you release it, whether you donate it to the, the, um, the thrift store or you have a garage sale or you give it away to somebody. 
it will find its way to them. But you have to trust that it will. And you have to let go of that, that fear of, well, I'm going to need it someday. Well, if I do need it someday, I haven't, you know, I've had this thing for five years and I've never, ever needed it. But so I'm going to trust that I don't need it. And if I ever do something as good or better will be provided for me because I trust the universe to bring in what I need and let go of what I don't. And so now I'm able to give this away or donate it and trust that it will find its rightful owner who does need it right now. Mm. And that trust, that knowing that it will get there, having that trust allows for you to have space for it to come into your life if you do ever need it again. So it comes back to trust. I mean, so many, so many things in, in mm-hmm. our lives is just trusting that the universe, the universe has your back, folks. The universe has all of our backs. So it's just trusting it's okay to let go. The universe will take care of you. I mean, it still comes back mm-hmm. down to that. Yes. And scarcity runs really deep. Scarcity is, is one of the hardest ones. It's, it runs so deep. You'll, you know, declutter scarcity and then you'll find a whole new layer of scarcity. So, so how, do mean, find out, how do we find out what, 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 what these five steps are then? Um, well, it's, um, it's pretty simple. I actually am, <laughs> um, I call it the declutter your mindset checklist. Um, and it is the declutter disconnect. I'm going to forget them all now. Cause I'm on the spot. trying to do oh, so. I hate that. Um, I can share a link with you. I do have a link for it, um, okay. to share how the, um, what, declutter, disconnect, dissolve, donate, and I'm totally missing one. Um, All right, well, anyway, the link so you can- I will have the link. <laughs> last one is, but they're all D. So we, we- They are all Ds, yes, they are all Ds. Um, and so it's just the process of, of going through and, and finding the clutter, figuring out what that story is, that won't, that you're holding on to, that is reinforcing that belief, whether that belief is scarcity or I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not, I don't deserve it. I don't have, I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have energy. All of those things are all, they all show up in our clutter. So what do you need to change first in in terms of feng shui or, or do you both? Do you have to change your mind first so that you can change the space or do you change your space so that, you know, I've always said, you know, a decluttered space is a decluttered mind. A cluttered space is a cluttered mind. So if you yeah. want to declutter your mind, you can do your space first. Um, yes. We, what, what do we need to attack first here? Or does it space. matter? Space. By decluttering your space, you actually are decluttering the mind. Mm. And for like, for me, I started with the decluttering of the mind, right? It took me years of personal development classes and seminars and and digging out all of those stories to even realize what my clutter was what are the stories that are attached to it um but when you start with the space on the outside um it's a lot less traumatic and it doesn't take as long you're able to disconnect easier that's the other one disconnect 
um, you're able to disconnect easier from, that was it, diagnose. <laughs> wow. When you declutter, then you can diagnose the story. You can disconnect from the story, which then dissolves that connection. So you can donate and, and get rid of the story. Donate the stuff, donate the, donate the limiting belief. You let it go. Those are the five steps. I knew I would get it if I just what's, gave my brain a break. What's the hardest step for people? Getting started. Mm. The actual decluttering, the, the, um, the diagnosing part usually is, that's where the tears happen. It's where, it's where we dig into the story of what is it? Where did my story come from, right? Where is this limiting belief of scarcity coming from or unworthiness or, right? Because we all have, it's some sort of trauma, whether that trauma is with a big T or with a little T from our childhood that, that brings this story into adulthood that carries through of scarcity, right? I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. Um, all of that is about scarcity. Um, for me, it was, you know, like I wasn't worthy of putting myself first for self-care, mm. right? Um, because of how I was raised as a child to put work first and me last. That's also scarcity. When you put your self-care last, you're actually coming from a place of scarcity because you're giving to everybody else first and you get what's left over. And the problem with that is there's never anything left over because you just give and give and give until you're empty. And then there's nothing left over. When you start with like your self-care first, now you're coming from a place of abundance. You're giving to yourself first. But that mindset is not taught to most of us as children. We're not taught. In, in the, what your five steps, we're definitely not taught that as children. Definitely. I mean, that's what the self-love revolution is. It's like, teach yourself now and please, let's all teach our kids. But with mm -hmm. your five steps there, because what you kind of were saying before, so everyone is going to go and declutter because they listen to this. Um, <laughs> but then if we don't go through those other steps, the brain doesn't actually get changed. The clutter right. will end up coming back. So if yes. we go through these steps, all five of them, not just the first declutter, because I've decluttered hundreds of times. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the clutter just comes back. Like, why? Because I, the clutter I just is. I this office last week. Why is it messy again? Um, so if we go exactly. through and it's... steps, you're really changing our brains mm -hmm. to diagnose where the tears are, because that's where the answers are, so that it can have and a And then disconnecting, right? Yeah. Disconnecting from the story so that you can let go and not have it show up again a month later or not have great. Now I need that thing. That's the disconnecting part. Because then once you disconnect, then you dissolve the energy to it. You dissolve the energetic attachment yeah. to it. So it's which allows you to let it go and move on. I, I talk about rewiring people's subconscious minds and their brains. That's part of what the self-love revolution is. But what I'm hearing is you're doing the same thing, rewiring all those stories and, and those thoughts, but doing it through space or through the energy of, of space. Do I get yeah. it? 
Yes. Yeah. Your, your home is just an extension of you. So everything you own, you own it for a reason. You own it because of something you believe about what you're worth or what you deserve or what's possible with what you can't, you own everything for a reason and you get rid of it. But like you say, it comes back. If you never disconnect, if you don't diagnose the why you can't disconnect and dissolve it. And so it's always going to just reappear again and again and again until the mindset happens, the mindset shift happens. And then, then it won't be a, then it won't be a repeating pattern. You can disconnect from the pattern, but everybody lives somewhere. Your home is like a 3d vision board. It's just, most of us live instinctively. And so we collect and we hoard stuff that we don't really need, but it reflects our values and what we believe. We believe there's not enough. And so we hold on to things like hoarders because of scarcity. Um, and, and so we just keep repeating that pattern over and over and over again. Wow. There's just so much, you know, I could, I feel I could talk to you for three hours, but, but I don't have three hours. There's so much um, juice in this. So, all right. If, if there was for, for, uh, for, for me, for us who are watching, for those of us who are watching, um, if there's one thing that you would recommend we do um, cause we don't have you here what, what's one thing that I can do either to, to the home or the business? Because I know you, you work with entrepreneurs too on, 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 um, on the office side of things. So like if we just want to dabble and experiment, is, is there one thing that we should do first? Other uh, than call you up and fly you out? <laughs> which I'm ready to do. Um, <laughs> well, definitely declutter. Because that's where I say you start with a blank slate. Once you're decluttering, then we can feng shui and add in the good stuff. But with the decluttering, that's the best place to start. Um, so declutter and- everybody, but don't stop there. You got to figure out those four other Ds. <laughs> and you can call Crystal to do it. <laughs> yeah. And your home is your castle. It is your sanctuary from the rest of the world. It is the place that you go to rest and recharge. Love your home like it's your best friend. The more you love on your home, because it is an extension of you, because it is a reflection of who you are, the more you love on your home, you're loving on you. Mm. So it's a great place to start, especially with the self-love struggles it's easier to give to someone else it's easier to love on other people so if you start loving on your home like it's a separate entity treat it like it's your best friend it's a really sneaky backdoor way to start loving on yourself without feeling guilty about it that is so powerful and it's so you know walk into someone else's home oh we can fix that fix that yeah make your home your friend. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to end it there because that is so, so beautiful. Um, how can people get in touch with you? We'll put, we'll put a, a link in the notes and everything, but how can people get in touch with you? Um, they can find me on all of social media, Crystal Home. Um, my website is crystalhome.com. And if, they, if they're really interested in doing this work, 
You can find me at soulandspacealignment.com. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I feel chills on my body. I love it. Thank you so much, <laughs> Crystal, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We are so grateful for you. Please review, like, subscribe, all of that so that we can continue to bring you these amazing people and amazing stories. And much love to you all.